Okay, a couple of stupid questions just for fun. What is life? Oh, okay. Well, nothing to worry about. <laughs> I heard in a song once that life is a cabaret, so I'm going with that. <laughs> I'm going with that. <laughs> Liza Minnelli said it and she was hella cute, so I'm going with that. Oh yeah, head of cute is good. That's a great attribute. Yes. When cooking, can you substitute? Uh, when you need something <laughs> different. <laughs> Than cooking. Yeah. It's called raw food. <laughs> when you can't cook, eat raw food. I was cooking and somebody says, can you make a substitution? And I said, okay, I'll do carpentry. <laughs> can you drive and cook? Yes, I can do both. Oh, you mean at the same time? <laughs> If I put the roast in the engine, yes, I can drive and cook at the same time. Can you cook your eggs? Not your eggs, I mean, I'm sorry. Well, it'd be rude <laughs> that's if not I what cooked I, that's your not, eggs. That's not, that's not what I meant. <laughs> This is the open kitchen. Yes. We are in the heart of the gourmet ghetto here in Berkeley, California at Kitchen on Fire. No! Sit back, relax. Don't be afraid. We're professionals. So, what's our first question today? Yeah. Someone asked, what is the best kept secret? Well, me. We can't tell you it's a secret. Yeah, we can't. Sorry, next uh, question. No. You gonna tell them? There are no secrets. Oh, yeah. You There's no secret. There's Jeff Olive is in the business of teaching people to cook, so... Oh, yeah, that's right. So I have no to tell secrets. you, well, you're going to know my secrets, which are gone now. He tells his students everything. He tells them his <laughs> private identification numbers, his yeah. everything. It's an, Even op my, an open book. No, I tell them my public identification number. Ah, there my you go. private one is private, remember? <laughs> so I think people, people have this misconception that chefs have these secrets and that that's how their food is better than what they can cook at home. Well, there's a lot of misconception. This is why we're here. To create more misconception. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think chefs have secrets. I think they just have years of experience of cooking and putting yep. flavors together. And they also have the time and the resources to do things that are very difficult to do at home. Yep. For example, spending two days making veal stock or, right. you know. Uh, very long stock, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I've heard people make a, make these allegations that chefs, cookbook oh, yeah, writers, right. but particularly chefs who have restaurants, that they intentionally leave out steps or ingredients so that you can't really replicate the food at home. No, today's chef will gladly give you a secret. That's, that's what he's proud of. And the publishers that makes book today, I'm not talking about online recipes, I'm talking about the print. You know, yeah. the publishers take a big pride and a big, big work now to make sure the books are really well edited and the recipes make sense and they, they right. taste, you know. They, they, and they, good, they, chefs, they do, good chefs know that if you have the recipes and can replicate this dish at home, you're not going to stop coming to their restaurant. In fact, it's if anything, it's going to endear you more to the restaurant. So at Cesar, uh, yeah, we, we did the Cesar cookbook. And, yeah, and, and then nobody came back. Remember, <laughs> nobody came back. We did the that. cookbook, that's right. That's what happened. We gave them all the recipes and, and they that's stopped it. coming. And they stopped coming forever. They're all frying <laughs> potatoes at home and, yeah, making lobster stock. <laughs> For three days. Yeah, it's... No, it's not. There's no secrets. We can't, I mean, you know, I'm not sure if there's any uh, chef that wants, like you said, maybe they're not going to give you the whole formula entirely. There's even, there's a, there's okay, a company maybe. in Oregon, Olympic Provisions, that makes uh, charcuterie. They've done a cookbook where they go yeah, to right. great lengths to explain yeah. in detail how to make all of their products. And I, they they I have think... no fear. They, they're not afraid of someone replicating it because they know that what it takes to get approval to do a commercial operation is so strenuous. I would tell you, 
that I bet you the fact to publish the recipe kind of protect them from... Yeah. People would be like, oh my God, it takes that long. It's yeah. that complicated. I mean, I would tell you 90% of the people that bought the books are never going to make no. those. I mean, there are, there are recipes in there too for the products and those right. they probably do. But they're I not mean, going to make their own boudin blanc. They're not yeah, going to oh make their God. own Yeah, oh my God, I don't even do that. It's, it's, it's hard, it's really... hard, and it also takes a lot of space. You've got to mm -hmm. have somewhere to store this stuff because it's got to age, and it's got to age in the right environment. You mean cold storage? Cold that's storage, what's, That's yeah. what's hard. Yeah, so, you know... So no secrets? No secrets. The answer's no. They're going to be very disappointed. They're going to be very disappointed. So there's no secret. We're very sorry. It's just hard work. We'll try to make one up and we'll, we won't tell anybody. If you and want that's going to be the secret. <laughs> if you want to cook like your favorite chef, it's just a lot of years of hard work. Yeah. That's the secret. You can. It just takes practice. That's right. Just like playing the piano. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I assume. I can't play the piano, but I assume yeah. it takes practice. Actually, you know, piano is uh, the word for stove in France. Oh, really? When the chef talks about his stove, that's his piano. Wow. So it's called a piano as a, as a technical term in the kitchen. Oh, well, that explains a lot of things when I was in France. and I Lots of musicians. <laughs> furniture. <laughs> Can I cook on the piano? We have so, another question. Well, this one... We have a lot of other questions, but here's just one. This one is who asked that, but we're going to make lots of fun of this one. <laughs> so just be ready. Someone <laughs> asked, what is the one tool you couldn't live without? In the kitchen, they mean. Yes, yeah. it's in the kitchen. Okay. Now, um, would, would that be fire? That would be something to cut, something to cook in. No, and fire, fire, fire is the, the the base. That was what came five hundred thousand years ago, at least. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was a Tuesday. Yeah. Then came knives. That was probably in the Bronze, bronze Age. Bronze Age, which I don't remember when it was. And the Bronze Age wasn't that popular because <laughs> bronze is third place. Yeah. Yeah. So it wasn't until the Gold Age that. That we made money. <laughs> yeah. I think with this question, we have to assume that they mean beyond the basics of a knife and some sort of cooking vessel. Right. So they mean, well, what, I mean what other kind of tool couldn't you live without? Okay. So let's say you have a knife. I couldn't live without, then, my, without my oxygen tank. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So the knife. Yeah. The uh, what the the cooking vessel and then yeah. you need to be and, able to cut stuff on and some a cutting board, yeah. yeah. So beyond those Or cutting your face. Yeah. So it could be your car, your seat. Yeah. So beyond just be careful. Beyond the basics, what is your favorite tool? What is the one tool you couldn't live without? I can't think of any um, one tool because if I was a sniper I know what it is, but I'm not I'm, yeah, a, I'm a chef. Yeah. Um, I, I really like a um a scraper, a dough oh, scraper. Oh, bench scraper. Yeah, yeah okay. those are those are indispensable. I use them all the time. I use them for cleaning up. I use them for scooping yeah, up things that that's I've a good already one. prepped. Uh, I mean, a nice pan. A nice pan. So let's talk about... Okay, so this is... I have. A, I, I really I like have, stainless steel bowls. I use a yeah, lot of yeah, stainless yeah. steel bowls in my kitchen. So if I had to have one tool in the kitchen, that would be a wok. I think the wok would be the most universal uh, cooking vessel. I can fry, I can yep. saute, I can stir fry, I can, I can stew, I can make soup. Right, you can so wash your socks. I can do all kind of cool stuff in there. Yep. Yeah, so the wok, are good. Woks are really good, they're very cheap. And don't buy the fancy wok because those, they don't work. You have to buy the cheap one, it's funnier. Yeah. You have to buy the iron, you know, the, the, the <laughs> made one iron. They cost like, what, 30 bucks? One with the yeah. metal handle. Yeah. Okay. So that's my kind of my one tool. That would be it. But I could not live without. Uh, I can live without. 
you could live without a walk. There were many years when I didn't have a walk and I lived, so. He, yeah, no, it's exactly, so we are, we're still alive. I like a whisk. I have a great whisk. whisk. So the walk, for me, for you. Lots so, of people live without their brains, but. And lots of them make podcasts out of that. <laughs> but that's another subject. <laughs> oh my God, we answered that question. I'm so excited. Now. We're back. Somebody asked, what is your guilty pleasure food? Oh yeah, who asked that? Do you have uh, a name? I don't know. They were anonymous. Oh man. Uh, well, no guilt for us. No guilt. Sorry. I don't believe in guilt. Yeah, James doesn't believe in guilt. Once I dispose of the body, right. guilt is gone. Guilt, no guilt. For food equal no guilt. Unless yeah, I don't believe that I don't believe that eating should make you feel bad about yourself. Unless or the food is guilty. stolen. And even then, if you if you really need yeah, to steal it, I, I think that you know if you're eating something that's not good for you, you should just know that. I mean, we all eat stuff that's maybe not the most nutritious Perfect. thing every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, I, no I, guilt I, is uh, is true. Uh, there should be no guilty pleasure. I mean, it should be. <laughs> yeah. It should be pleasure or. Yeah, you shouldn't. About we're talking about food again. You like shouldn't a, punish yourself yeah. for eating. Food shouldn't be necessarily a reward or a source of of you know self condemnation yeah so let me let me tell you how it works in the brain though because there's a, there's a something that's happening when you eat food when you eat food that is new and exciting or you eat sweet stuff there's a release of dopamine ah. dopamine is a neurotransmitter that makes you feel good it's one of the uh, reward center just the word makes me feel good dopamine <laughs> dopamine yeah <laughs> dope is mine <laughs> so this is what's happening when you eat new food it's for us to be always searching for a variety of food when you eat the same food every day your dopamine level goes down and you get kind of disgusted with the, with the food mm -hmm. that you're eating that's why you cannot eat the same thing all the time i mean some people do that because they don't care but you need to if you want to be excited about your food you need to variate and right. uh, sugar does that that is a big problem Actually, the, the high is real, uh, but too much sugar, as we know, is, is terrible for the body. The body just takes it as a toxin. So what you have to understand is uh, sugar or glucose will be made naturally from the body, uh, from the food that eats, because uh, everything can be converted as glucose, pretty much everything. Fats will convert in ketones for energy, but that's another subject. Now, the sugar that you eat as form of sugar is too much. You can't eat sugar on top of the food because that's way too much sugar. That's what the problem is, is those, all this extra sugar we eat in form of pure sugar or um, artificial sugars, those are terrible, should be avoided at all costs. To resume, fats will make you stop eating earlier. Sugar will make you want to eat more for longer. Yeah, it's kind of a false high. Yeah, and also it makes you, uh, it's going to make you sick to worry too much about you know your food yeah. and everything so i mean i've known so many people that they eat and then they just beat themselves up for it afterwards oh i shouldn't yeah eat right that. oh i feel so fat i yeah. shouldn't have eaten that meat i shouldn't have eaten that cake yeah. it's like so, well so as lisa lisa my business partner she's a, a nutrition consultant she believes that people should eat 80 percent good food or real food and 20% left is whatever they want if they want to uh -huh. eat junk food that's fine the body can take care of itself as long as you have a good 80%, you know, 70, 80% of real food, right. you can do whatever you want. But if right. you eat just junk food and processed food, basically you're going to die. 
I mean, we're all going to die, actually. I just read that. What? I don't believe it. I, I wouldn't think... have started on this whole thing if I'd have known it was just going <laughs> to end know... in death. <laughs> I, don't... I don't believe I think I'm immo- immortal. I have not died once since I was born. Really? Not once. You know, Maybe... somebody, somebody asked Woody Allen if he wanted to achieve immortality through his work, and he said, no, I want to achieve immortality through actually not dying. Not dying, I don't. <laughs> yeah, Woody Allen is very good. And so far, it's worked. He's still alive. He said also, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be here when it happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Woody Allen is my hero. Oh, my God. He's so, this guy is... Yeah, and you know what? I'll bet he's never guilty about what he eats. I'll bet he never feels oh, guilty. Yeah, oh, he, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> he feels guilt over other things. I don't even think so. I don't think he feels guilt for anything. Some people are raised in a culture of guilt, though. Yeah. You know, they, they're made to feel guilty no. by their... Families, their church, their whatever, yeah. and they, they. If you feel guilty, don't do it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no. So no guilty pleasure. Sorry. But you know, that does make me think of another subject, and this is something that people oh, okay, have also wait. asked about. Wait, I'm just remind. I'm just remember something. Okay, it's gone now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Your dopamine it's, levels are it's too been, low. You need to jack up those dopamine levels. I just filed it into miscellaneous. <laughs> <laughs> You know, sometimes people talk about guilty pleasures and comfort food in the same right. vein. Oh, yeah. And comfort food's a different thing. And I think comfort food, of course, it's right. different for different people. Right. Uh, comfort food, I think, are the kinds of foods that you're used to eating that, that make you feel yep. good, that make you feel, make you remember, like, being a child. Or, like, for some people, they say, oh, comfort food, it's all about mac and cheese, you know. Or fried chicken. Or, or fried chicken. I mean, my, or, mine is different. Yours is different? Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, my comfort food. I was talking about my comfort level. Um, yeah, I mean, like for me, it was mac and cheese was never a big part of my life. I just, it's right. all right. It's, a, it's, it's okay. I do remember, the, so in France, we, we called them gratin pâte. My mom used uh, to do them. They was really good with mushroom and tomatoes and ground lamb and all kind of cool stuff. Yeah. But I, have, I do have a lot of memories from my childhood as food goes. Sometimes my, my biggest problem is people are set on their comfort food and I think it's a bad memory. I mean, I think I know it's a bad memory because when you can only be comfortable when you eat fried food and mashed potato with gravy, I understand that it makes you feel comfortable because it reminds you of your childhood. It was, it was a peaceful time at the time. I, maybe, maybe not, but it reminds you of something that maybe that should be removed. It's good to eat fried chicken once in a while. Of course, it's great. I just ate some last night. It was right. it's amazing. Or fried oysters. Or fried yeah. anything. I mean, all fried food is really good. <laughs> if it's well done, it's actually not so bad. Yeah. But the, the comfort food is it. It's, bad. It's, a, it's a memory that could be terrible for you. It could be good. It could be terrible. So the idea, if you have those type of memories, those are, called, those are really memory banks, is to replace them. So if, you know, like a, maybe a better fried chicken or yeah. with maybe veggies or a salad to go with it, you yeah. know, it's like, uh, so that's, that's my, I don't when know. I think of When I think of comfort food from my childhood, the only thing that really comes to mind is whenever I was sick and I was oh, just yeah. starting to get better, my mom would always make me a very right. simple custard. Uh, just a simple egg. I was going to say my mom would would make like this super dinner. She would ask me, "What do you want to eat?" Oh, so well, be like, yeah. But I mean, when I'm just sort of coming out of it, okay. and I wasn't eating yeah, a lot right, yet. Right. And I remember those custards were so yeah. good; they were so satisfying. And because it's but, a routine, so you have yeah, that in your in your. But it's not something I'm going to eat all the time. It's just you know I think about it sometimes. And I, to me, my comfort food now 
is more food taste that I've developed in adulthood, like, you know, foie gras. I want, yeah. I want foie gras if I'm Oyster. talking comfort food. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> or fried oysters. Oh, I know, or... I know. In my, when we go to France, we had a house in the, in the completely lost in Normandy, beautiful uh, place, little place. And we went there like a few years ago. I went back and uh, I was going to, with my mom and my dad and we were going to spend the Christmas over there. And we arrive at the house and, you know, when we go to that house, we have to call the neighbors so they can put the heater. Right. So the all the pipes, they stop freezing and the water turns around, I mean, goes into the house and we have hot water and yeah. the, the, the house is not freezing. Also, they can get all the drifters to move out of there. Yeah, and in time. Yeah. And I took a picture. When we arrived, I opened the fridge to put all the food that we got. It was two cans of foie gras and two, two bottles of champagne. <laughs> and I asked my mom, she's like, that's for emergency. That's my emergency <laughs> food. <laughs> that's why she keeps us. How that's do you say, funny. like, re- relief? No, how do you say that? Those, uh, oh, yeah. What is that? The relief? Uh, relief kits, yeah. And that's what that's her relief kit. That's she has funny. two big logs of foie gras. <laughs> my sister had a friend who... They were talking about getting snowed in, and they knew that the yeah, big right. blizzard was coming up in Boston. And so, you know, first she was packing in all these uh, boxes of brownie mix. Oh and my I god! Thought, oh yeah. my god! That's that's you know you're gonna live on. It's brownie funny. Mix for it's three days. funny how some people have this thing about sweet that they just they project that they can't live without it, and it's gonna be the worst thing. Yeah, a lot of people comfort food is all about bread pudding or ice cream or you know their favorite cake or something. Yeah. And, uh, So really that, that's why that way. guilty pleasure is kind of the idea. Yeah. So yes, my guilty pleasure with foie gras would be, I mean, even though it's not guilty. Yeah, I don't feel guilty about oysters at all. Any kind of seafood. So comfort food, comfortable. You know, the one of the best examples of books is, um, what's his name? Ducote de Chesouin, Proust. Oh, Marcel Proust. Yeah, uh, the sw- Ducote de Chesouin. Yeah. What, how would you? Uh, the Remembrance of Things Past. Oh, okay. So that's the English translation. Yeah. It, and that's the best description of uh, memory banks of, yeah. of comfort food. That yeah. It's how you can smell something and, and go back into the past and completely be there. It's crazy. Right, right. Good. All right, comfort so the food. the answer is yes. The answer is yes. I was talking to somebody recently and, and talking about my career as a food writer and that I travel to food shows and go on these press trips. And they said, well, do you get a lot of samples? Do you eat a lot of food? I said, well, yeah, I, people send me samples. I, I just went to the fancy food show in San Francisco right. recently and a lot of tasting up and down the aisles. There's foods from all over oh, the yeah. world to taste and it's, it's an amazing experience. And I often get this. People say, how do you stay so trim? And I never knew how to answer that before. Oh, well, I walk a lot or, oh, I don't know. And now I just look at them. I don't swallow. (laughs) Yeah. Now I just look at them and I say, well, I'm not a glutton. Right. You know, just because I I taste a lot of foods and I really love food and and my whole career is built around food, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm a glutton. I mean, I don't just sit and eat all day. No, you don't eat the whole thing on the salon, on on the exhibit. And at the fancy food show, I take little bites of things. I don't eat lunch because there's no need to. Oh, We're yeah. sampling all right. day. I try to stay away from the sweets because, you know, if you start at 10 o'clock in the morning and you start in on cookies and candy and stuff, you're going to feel like crap I by see, 1, 2 in the oh, afternoon. Yeah. But I see people coming in the, when I go in the morning. I see, when I go to the fancy food show, I see people coming in the morning like at 10 or 9.30 mm-hmm. and they, they buy this huge sandwich because they think they're going to be hungry. <laughs> 
And I'm always looking like, oh my God, you're going to be so sorry. Well, and you can always tell when you see big crowds, you can always tell that they're giving away something yummy. That's go good. Over there. And often it's yes. ice cream or. Yeah, right. I mean, Ben and Jerry's. Or rum, vodka. Yeah. The booze, the booze areas are always full of yeah. people. Yeah. Ben and Jerry's used to have a stand there and they oh, yeah. they would give away like whole things of ice cream and oh, my oh God, no they give be, away tons of stuff that's really cool people waiting yeah, yeah. in line and you see you see these people with trays out in the aisles full of yeah. truffles and all kinds of <sighs> it's really cool it's stuff. really cool and it's great yeah I mean I I try to take it really easy at the shows in terms of tasting I mean and especially sweets unless you're at a booth where it might be awkward not to taste, you know, somebody, you're talking to somebody, you're going to write about you mean, them. Uh, you mean or, awkward like uh, your ex-wife or something? Yeah. <laughs> or don't if it's I, an don't advertiser. I, don't I know you? Yeah. <laughs> and this is, oh, this is the thing that I make personally by hand. Do you want to taste it? And it's sort of, uh, you know, let me see like, your hands. Like, let me yeah, see your okay. hands. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> Are you making that with those hands right here? But, you know, you walk around the fancy food show, there are people walking around with trays of sweets right. you know, at 10 o'clock in the morning and that's that's trouble because by two in the afternoon you're ready to curl up in a i would like nap. to go to a bank show a bank show yeah, yeah. see like Get the well, samples. people sample running around with dollar bills yeah try my dollar bills they're the best <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> they're crispier <laughs> could i do you think i could try a 20 <laughs> <laughs> I want to take it and use it and see how it and works. And listen to your food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. So, but, you know, I taste a lot of food. I eat a lot of food at home. We eat really yeah, well right. at home. I my eat my of wife food. is an incredible <laughs> cook. And she... Me too. You know, I get the same question. People ask me yeah. all the time. Yeah. Why are you so... But I, at, first of all, I don't eat processed food. All the food I eat is very clean. Plus, I'm very active. That's something also. In France, people are way more active than here. That's right. why they, they're trimmer. They also take a lot longer... Longer lunches for sure, but uh, very long dinners. But it's also, all... they do walk everywhere. I mean, yeah. we're in the subway nonstop. When I when I'm in Paris, I don't I don't drive no. very rarely. I think I can spend I can spend really early weeks in Paris without driving. Uh, Somebody drives in Paris. The traffic is horrendous. I know it's crazy. Most people come come the, from the suburb. They they like to have yeah. their car. It's like, yeah. but you don't need a car, and there's no parking. It's crazy. You have to. F oh my god! Oh, I don't. It's terrible. It's like if New York, I don't like to New York taxis also. in Paris either, unless it's late at night yeah. or something. But New York is the same. It's crazy to yeah. driving with. I don't know. Like, anyway. I mean, that's the thing is to stay active, to get off yeah. the sofa and do something. And you don't have to... And that's the other thing. You know, you watch commercials on TV and they make it look like to, to be healthy and everything, you've got to be running marathons. No. And <laughs> you just need to be active. Just go out and walk. Walk yeah, to the store walk, instead exactly. of driving. And People drive to the gym to be able to walk for half an hour. <laughs> they can actually walk there. You know, not there must the be some logic in their brain about that. <laughs> right. You could walk to the gym and then just turn around and walk home, and not, or you could walk. I mean, in a it's place. good to go to the gym for other things. Uh, I'm not saying it's not good, but uh, if you're just going to work there, why don't you work there? Like, what are the other things? To pick up women, or I thought it was to pick up weight, lift, pick lift up weight. weights, weights. I thought weights, that was the thing, but anyway. So, what is the best way to store cheese at home? Well. First of all... That's a question, by the way. Ah, okay. Well, first of all... <laughs> first, well, second of all... <laughs> first of all, you should buy the amount of cheese that you're probably going to eat in a couple of days. You know, right. don't buy huge quantities of cheese. I mean, there are ways of storing larger amounts of cheese, but there's really... Unless you're a restaurant or yeah. a cheese shop, you should have a good cheese shop that you go to and buy small amounts of cheese that you can eat up, and then you so, don't have to worry about it. If you don't have a cheese shop... 
like we do here? I mean, where where can we go? Well, what I mean, they, they, well, there are supermarkets that do that. There are some supermarkets that have nice cheese, um, but more and more towns are. Are, 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 you know, there yes, are cheese shops true, opening. Right. Plus, you have stores like Whole Foods that right. has a really good cheese department. Okay. So, and then certain, like, you know, smaller uh, supermarket chains have been focusing Great. more on cheese. So Great. Uh, but, you know, inevitably you're going to have cheese maybe after a party or you buy something. You don't eat it all up. So you you yeah. do need to store it somehow. So uh, one of the rules, if you're buying nice cheeses, and, and we're going to assume that this whole conversation is about really good cheese, because yeah, right. why buy crappy cheese? Um, and actually, you know, since you're saying that, you might want to define crappy cheese at well, some point. At some point. So f finish your... Well, uh, <laughs> it's, it's good to avoid wrapping cheese in plastic wrap, because yeah. it kind of smothers the cheese. Uh, Cheese is a living, breathing thing, so right. you want it to be able to breathe, exactly. but you also want to you also want to protect it from the air. So, so, so basically, because the the cheese is alive, mm -hmm. I mean, it's 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 a living organism, so you right. have to be careful with plastic, so you don't create mold. Huh? Well, it just it doesn't allow it to breathe, right. so mold exactly. is going to be more likely to develop, yeah. right. um, and it's just going to get it's it's not going to improve. Right. It's, it's going to go bad. I just want to precise that cheese is mold. So cheese is bad already. It's like vinegar. Mold that comes after the cheese is made, for example, in your refrigerator, that is not good. You need to remove that. In a lot of ways, you can just scrape it off. But if the cheese has been there too long and if there's some weird stuff, just throw it away. Especially when the cheese gets yellow and orange. That is not good. That's ammonia. This is how the cheese decays. I agree with everything you just said, <laughs> especially that $20 bill. <laughs> not even folded. So uh, one of the things is uh, you can wrap it back up in the paper that it came from, from the cheese shop. Yep. I mean, you, you don't should. want to do that too many times because it can get funky. But Unless you, you know, what I do is I, I, I wrap it loose. Yeah. So it doesn't really touch too much. Then I can keep the same paper. It's just what's yeah. called sulfur paper, no? Yeah, and it depends on the cheese, too. If it's a harder cheese, you right. can wrap it back up in the same paper. Right. If it's a really, really gooey cheese, yeah, it's going to get messy. Yeah. But one good rule of thumb is to wrap the cheese either in um, in wax paper yeah. or parchment paper first, and right. then you can wrap exactly. it in plastic because exactly. it keeps the plastic off the cheese. The paper allows it right. to breathe a little better. Or uh, the best solution of all is you simply buy cheese papers that you can buy in good cheese wow. shops now. And cheese it's paper. paper that's specifically oh designed God, that's for storing cheese in. And... Uh, you know, it's sort of like what they use in a good cheese shop. So that's the okay. best thing. Wow, that's cool. So and then you have to be really into cheese, though. I mean, yeah, but it, you know, if not, I mean, parchment paper would work. That's one. You know, I don't no? necessarily buy these kind of cheeses every day. So if no. I have cheese papers at home, they're going to last me for a while because I'll buy. Uh, you know, I've got someone coming over Friday night, so I'm going to go buy a couple of nice cheeses to have with but, our wine. But, but I'm not necessarily going to do that every day because it gets expensive too. But for for example, um, this is parchment paper and wax paper. It works, no? I mean, yeah, it's fine. You don't need yeah. to, yeah. Yeah, wax paper especially is very much like cheese papers. The other thing is you want to store it in in an area of the fridge that's a little bit warmer and a little bit moister. So uh, the vegetable drawer is great. Uh, it's just gonna, it's you know, yes. not gonna be quite as cold. And if you're and if you're going to store these cheeses for a while, it's probably a good idea to rewrap them every couple of days. Uh, or maybe every time you get it out to eat some, right. you know, rewrap it in, uh, in clean paper. 
Uh, but it's also important to remember that when you're buying fine cheese, you're buying if you're buying it from a from a good cheesemonger, this cheese is is being sold at its peak. This cheese is uh, ready yeah, to eat. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. So you're not going to age it. You're not going to improve it by aging it in your refrigerator. So you should really buy the amount of cheese that you're going to consume and just consume it. Right. Um, if you really have to store a bunch of cheese right. uh, for longer periods of time, there are some good ways to do it. You can line a plastic food, get a like a Tupperware container, some yeah. kind of plastic uh, storage container, put a damp paper towel in the corner, and then put the cheese in, maybe poke a few holes in the okay. lid. You don't even have to do oh, that. Yeah. And then you want to change that paper towel every few days. Um, I do that for salads. Yeah, when that. Yeah, exactly. Salad. Yeah, it yeah. keeps it moist. But you um, have to change the paper towel. Yeah. Because it will get uh, funky. Yeah. Not like the music. <laughs> you can also get the bar matting, this plastic wow. mesh matting that they oh, use yeah. in bars to oh, put yeah. glasses on. That's You know you what? get some of that in a, in a kitchenware shop, and you can cut it up know, to right. fit it in the plastic container, so then it allows it the air to, to get underneath the it. The air needs to circulate. Yeah, okay, exactly. This is important. Dude. Exactly. Straw mats are great, too. But again, you want to clean. You want to change the paper towel frequently, and if it's going to be in there for a while, you want to take it out and clean the container once in a while. Right. You really shouldn't be storing cheese long enough for that to be yeah. an issue. I mean, if you're storing cheese that long, like what's going on? You know, just just use it up. So if you if you forget about cheese, what's going to happen is just going to dry and become rock solid, and then you yeah. Can, and then what I do is I I grate it. So I use that. I yeah. There was some pieces of. Uh, Blue cheese I kept for an experiment uh, and to completely dry. And now I can shave, I mean, grate some on my side. It's really, really uh -huh. tasty. Uh -huh. That's a good idea. You can also do what the uh, French housewives do often is you make a fromage fort. Oh, yeah. Which you can take uh, just a variety yep. of, of used, of, of leftover cheeses, uh, throw them in a food processor with a little bit of white wine. I recommend about a half cup per pound of cheese, some garlic maybe, some fresh ground pepper, mm. some fresh herbs, whatever whatever you want basically to season this, and then just right. whirl it into a nice smooth yeah. spread, and you've got a little something for cocktail hour. So, Chef Kevin at the kitchen does he does the recycling of the cheese. He makes cheese balls that are really awesome. Yeah, yeah. There's all kinds of <laughs> so stuff you can do. So take all the cheese and make some special something. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Or you can also make a little fondue. Quick, yeah. Quick fondue for the staff before they arrive. But my... Like white my, wine and cheese. My basic advice is if you have to deal with long-term storage of cheese, you're buying too much cheese. Yeah. You know, just right. buy smaller amounts. Now, some people have to buy more because they have a very limited access to a yeah. good cheese shop, so they buy it when they can. And they have a big And that's job. okay. And then you've gonna ha you're going to have to store it. So then that's when you want to do the container with the paper towel and all that. Um, I mean, cheese will last. But if it's you've got like a good, a, if you've you know, got a good cheese shop near you, just buy small amounts of cheese that you're going to use up in a couple of days, and don't worry about it too much. But if you don't, if you buy a big piece, I would suggest you portion it. Yeah, that's a good pieces. idea too. So you portion it, you get a bigger piece, portion that, uh, wrap the cheese the way James told you to do, even right. if, even if he's not looking. <laughs> And then uh, and that's, you take those small pieces at a time, and they, they last really long. And remember, if you have a whole wheel of cheese, now I'm assuming that's, if you're buying a whole wheel, it's a smaller cheese, but if you have a whole wheel of cheese, yeah. that can continue to age. You can right. put it away. And get, but once that's cut open, 
then uh, it's not aging anymore. It's just going to deteriorate. I mean, so it's going to dry. It's going to dry out. And uh, uh, you can share with people. So what people do at, at the kitchen is they buy something big that, you know, I sell, for example, a big gallon of something. Mm-hmm. And then they share it. Sure. So they can get a good price on it. And that's how we buy that cheese at Kitchen on Fire. We buy the wheels. Yeah. Because I can get really, really good cheese and be able to afford it. Right. Because I could never afford to buy it by pieces. Right. And I want to serve really good cheese, so I have to buy the wheels. And inevitably, especially if you have a, a moisture cheese, it's going to develop mold. Right. If it does, what it's you fine. do is you get it out and you just it's you, already moldy. You do what, what we call in the business, you face it. You just uh. slice off a thin thin slice off the face of the cheese, throw that away, and enjoy the rest of the cheese. If the, if it's got like black mold on it, yeah, you should probably mold. throw it out. And I tell you something you don't do that with is blue cheese. Yeah. Don't remove the mold <laughs> right. from the blue cheese. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but even with blue cheese, sometimes taking a little yeah. bit off the face is a good idea. If because, it's yellow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, the, the, so the, on the blue cheese, basically, when it turns yellow or kind of brown, this is this needs to go. That's yeah. the thing. But if it's nice right. and white and, and blue and whatever, that's fine. Right. Understand that, huh? Cool. Yeah. So, you know, that's buy small little... amounts of cheese, Get it, develop a relationship with a good cheese shop. If you have to, if you have to store cheese, do it wisely. But make sure you change the the wrapping, change the packaging once in a while. Yeah, and um, enjoy your cheese. Yeah. So cheese. The answer yes. is yes. Cheese. Yes. Cheese. Yes. Okay. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. All right. Yes. Well, we're going to end today with a poem. This poem is by a. <laughs> 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 this poem is by Howard Nemerov who was a wonderful poet in the 50s and 60s, and it's called Bacon and Eggs. It's very short. It goes like this. The chicken contributes, but the pig gives his all. Yeah. Pretty true. I've heard that in a different way. For the chicken, the egg is a day's worth of work. For the pig, the bacon is his lifelong. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's a good one. Which just goes to show you that pork trumps chicken. Yeah, and also to show you that yeah. Pay attention to relativity. <laughs> <laughs> well, as Douglas Adams said in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, reality is frequently inaccurate. <laughs> Here's a great quote from Jim Davis. Vegetables are a must on a diet. I suggest carrot cake, zucchini bread, and pumpkin pie. Right. That's great. Obviously, Jim has a sweet tooth. John Barrymore once said, I would like to find a stew that will give me heartburn immediately instead of at 3 o'clock in the morning. I love this one. That's sweet. <laughs> That's great. And Tommy Smothers said, red meat is not bad for you. Now, blue-green meat, that's bad for you. <laughs> Here's a lovely quote from famous tenor Luciano Pavarotti, who said in his, uh, in his biography, in his memoirs, he said... One of the very nicest things about life is the way we must regularly stop whatever we are doing and devote our attention to eating. Oh, yeah, that's great. Some people are driving and eating. Yes. So which They call that th- dashboard dining. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not something I'm in favor of. That's actually a lot of accidents happen like that. They, oh, Everybody's complaining about the texting. Yeah. That's the same thing. It's, 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 it's not the texting. It's the cheeseburgers that's causing yeah, right. all these accidents. I just find that you know, there's something, there's, you know, people talk about the right foods to eat and, you know, low fat, high fat, right. olive oil, this, that. Everybody talks about all these magic foods, superfoods. You know, I think what people miss the point on often is, is how you eat. 
Right. And I think, oh, you yeah. know, people talk about the French paradox, you know, the people in southwest right. France eat, eat all this fat, yet they have low incidence of heart disease. I think you have to look at their lifestyle, too. I mean, <laughs> these people sit down for lunch. They take right. a couple of hours. They talk. Look, in Spain, they even go after make a siesta right, after lunch right. because it's so hot. Right. I think there's a lot to be said for your lifestyle yeah. and how you approach the table. And I think eating in a hurry like that while you're running down the oh, street terrible, or yeah. when you're stuck in traffic and you're trying to eat food off your dashboard, it can't be good for you. Yeah. You know, even if you're eating something really, really healthy, right. Right. it's still, you know, come on. Yeah, you know, stress no. is a big thing. So you can do it once in a while, of course. Yeah, you know, sometimes I do you it. have to, you know, if you're traveling. But uh, you can't do that as a habit. If, yeah. you, if, you, if that becomes a habit, you need to stop. We, yeah. We'll be watching. All right, thank you for listening. Thank you, and we, we love you. we'll be back. Actually, we love you. We don't even we know you. you. <laughs>